Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's murder mystery podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. I'm also about to sneeze. <laughs> okay, carry on. Um, okay, so this week we are reviewing season two, episode 11. Dead Air. Dead Air. Dead Air. You know, that's an interesting title, actually, because I feel like they don't they don't leave us hanging on a lot of dead air on the actual radio show. Like, they're pretty good about improvising every time someone, like, shows up or dies or something. Yeah, although in the final scene where um, Mackenzie, or Mackenzie, you're Mackenzie. That's me, yeah. Phryne is, <laughs> wow, more coffee needed, um, where Phryne is about to be murdered by Jimmy. She turns it, she like broadcasts it on. Right. Air. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of an attempted murder playing out. That's over true. Over the airwaves. Yeah. I guess I was thinking in terms of dead air, like just the silence. I see. I was thinking of the murder. Right. Yeah. The yeah. murder is definitely happening on air. Yeah. Well, either way, it's a pun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we do housekeeping first? Oh, yeah, definitely. First bit of housekeeping, um, we are going to release our listener poll very soon, so stay tuned. Yeah, get excited, and we hope to see you all at Miss Fisher Con. Please come. Yeah. <laughs> Please come to our live show and clap. Also, we hope you enjoyed our last episode where we talked about Miss Fisher's modern murder mysteries, um, and we are going to be doing that again next time. So yes. there's only four episodes of that show, um, and we're going to review each of them alternating with the normally scheduled programming. Yes. And we're also going to have Maddie join us again. So yes, our guest host. So for those of you that are now exclusively Maddie fans, don't worry, she is coming back. <laughs> you don't just have to listen to us drone out. <laughs> um, on the modern mystery front, the other thing I wanted to note was we were discussing how a lot of the actors looked familiar. Yeah. And Caitlin on Instagram uh, messaged us and noted that the reason that we recognize Chief Sparrow from Modern Mysteries is that it's the knife thrower from Blood and Circuses. The knife thrower? The, like, magician yeah. guy. Yeah. That's a real turnaround. I mean, I don't think it's the same. I don't think it's meant to be the same person. No, no, but, but I mean, it's, it's those are two pretty different characters, like. Yes, definitely. Um, but it's cool because I don't, I did not realize that, but in thinking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's definitely the same actor. And in Blood and Circuses, he wears a lot of eye makeup. And as the chief inspector, he does not, which maybe, I mean, we haven't watched the rest of the episodes yet, but maybe he does. Hmm. Maybe he busts out the eye, eye, eyeliner in the next modern episode. That would be a look. It would. <laughs> Anyways, so as always, thank you for messaging us, Caitlin, and everyone who, who sends us notes on social media through our website to our email. We love it. We love hearing from you. It's the funnest part of doing this. So Yeah, we really do like hearing from you guys, so keep it coming. And we don't always get everything right because we're just, I don't know, two ladies sitting and talking into a microphone, so <laughs> yeah. feel free to correct us. We, uh... Yeah, please send us corrections. We appreciate <laughs> that as well. We don't mind. <laughs> All right. Any other housekeeping? That's all I had. Um, no, I don't think so. Great. Um, so the cold open. Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Right. What did you think about this episode? I love this episode! <laughs> so much. Yeah, there's a lot of great moments in this episode. And also just like Undercover Jack. Undercover Jack is probably the number one reason I like this episode. I feel like we also get a lot of sexual tension, which is So been, much, yeah. We've been on a dry spell the last few episodes. And in this, uh, this episode, it's just like 
throughout yeah. and it's it's wonderful i love it so much i mean i think this kind of marks the turning point for yes. the series i mean maybe with like with the possible exclusion of the christmas episode which is kind of eh, not not as much tension as i wanted but like from here on out it's gonna be like pretty heavy mm-hmm. like they're gonna be just spooning it on with a heavy hand oh. like gravy and it's everything i ever wanted so. <laughs> all right now also, i, I want to just say that i love like old-timey radio Oh, yeah, yeah, it's so cool. It's so fun. Also, I mean, we have a podcast. We, like, speak into this newfangled microphone, so yeah. it's kind of fun to maybe see. Maybe we should start doing old-timey sound effects, like, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or maybe we can just convince people that any background noise that you can hear, like, um, the heater coming on or the dehumidifier. Cars driving by outside. <laughs> Dogs barking. It's actually intentional. It's yeah, intentional sound effects. We're actually in a soundproof studio, so those effects were all added by us. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the cold open of this episode, um, I just wrote, murder at a radio station. Um, a woman <laughs> is being garroted while a goldfish watches. Is that how you say that word? I never knew if it was garroted or garroted. But she's got, she's being strangled with a cord, right? Oh, I thought she was just being strangled with bare hands. Oh, I thought there was a cord involved. You know what? That's that was the, the other murder. That's the other murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this was just bare hands. I think maybe I was just trying to do a garroted goldfish sort of a alliterative play mm-hmm. there, which yeah. didn't really work. Uh, I mean, good effort, though. Good thanks. effort. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the woman is dead. She's definitely dead. Yeah. And then, you know, weirdly, she ends up, like, outside subsequently. Like, how does that happen? Nice. I think he must have... Um, taken the body out of the studio just to so it more confusing yeah Yeah. well and he wanted to frame dodger the other guy you know right yeah so um well so then next up uh at miss fisher's home a new radio has arrived um and they're listening to at home with the pulking horns which is some kind of serial radio program i also so i did some research on this because friday says that they can only get 3jh because of restrictive license oh but what is that so i looked up (laughs) radio licensing in australia which i know is something our listeners have been dying to learn more about there's a very extensive wikipedia article on it which i was not expecting Anyways, so basically the start of radio broadcasting in Australia, stations would sell listening rights to people tuning in. So you'd basically buy a radio that could only listen to certain stations. And then in um, you'd have to modify the device to listen to other broadcasts. And then in 1924, which is interesting because this is before the sh- this show is taking place, there was a two-tiered licensing system where B-class stations would have to be funded through advertising but could be listened to by everyone. Which, I don't know if I missed something or if the show is just, like, kind of muddying the waters because they are doing advertisements at yeah. PGH Studios. Yeah. But at the beginning, it makes it sound like it's an exclusive licensing That's so station. interesting. I wonder how much it cost to, like, get the station. How do they How do they control that? I mean, how, do, how could they stop you from tuning into something else? Well, I have the Wikipedia article up, so. Fascinating. But I think it was, like, in the device, because you'd have to modify the device to pick up other stations. Yeah, but this was, like, 1926. I mean, how hard could it have been? I don't know. So Packer in the house. <laughs> how hard? You would have been one of the people that was tinkering? Yeah. Um, yeah, the receiving device would be set to receive only that station. So, like, you would have to decide which station you wanted to subscribe mm-hmm. to when you bought the radio? Yeah, so I think that's why, because then Mr. B asks, like, why 3JH? And Dot's like, well, because of the polking horns. That's so funny. That's like, 
it's that's so different from today where you you know you can sign up for netflix you can cancel netflix you can get a free trial of hulu with all your different emails your work email your personal email an email you made up but no one would do that because it's dishonest. Oh, yeah, I would definitely. I mean, I've never done that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. No, but it's, you know, it's something you could do. I actually did think it's interesting. Well, and they kind of set it up in this episode to be the war between the newspapers and the radio. And I feel like now, I don't know, I read the newspaper, but I'm an old person. Yeah. And I mean, I think that battle has been lost by the newspapers. They're like... Right. <laughs> suffering. <laughs> Anyways, but it's like 100 years ago, they were, it was the same thing. Um Anyways, it's just interesting. Well, this is not a show, not a podcast about the history of broadcast <laughs> uh, media, though. So maybe that should be our next move. Let us know. <laughs> Do you want to hear us analyze different countries, radio, newspaper, television, broadcast laws and regulations? Spoil- Let us know. Spoiler alert. I hope the answer is no, because I don't want to do that. <laughs> It'd be a more educational podcast than this one, though. Yes. Um, so the reason that Dot wants to listen to this program is because her school friend Louisa works at the radio station. Um, so then we get this, like, cool intercutting of Hugh arriving at the radio station where he's interrupting at home with the polking horns to give the news of Louisa's death, who's an actress in the show. Um, or I don't know if you call him an actress in the radio. I put actors in my notes because yeah. they're, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. They're voice actors. They're performing. Um, and then at home, at Miss Fisher's house, they're hearing this happen on the air. So <laughs> love a live murder. Um, or I guess it's not a live murder, but. So this uh, this investigation will be broadcast. <laughs> Truly breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch, but. Um, also, I love the part where Dot says she ran off with an Italian opera singer. And <laughs> Fisher's like, well, we've all done that. Yeah, I love that too. I wrote that. <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> um, I also thought it was quite rude that Hugh just interrupted their live broadcast. Like, yeah. Very rude. Very, very bumbling Hugh, though. Very in character for Hugh, yes. I think. And we find out shortly that Jack is not supervising this investigation because yeah. he's undercover. Yeah. So. So cue the next scene where Hugh is alone, bumbling about the body as Miss Fisher and Dot arrive on the scene. I also thought it was funny. Hugh acted surprised to see Miss Fisher arrive. And I thought, Hugh, we've been around (laughs) this body. She always shows up. It's funny. It's like, are there other, like, are we supposed to assume there are other murders that haven't been aired on the show that Hugh Mm -hmm. and Jack are just solving by themselves? You know, like, is that? Probably, probably. I mean, Melbourne's a pretty big city. I I mean, how many murders are there? I mean, a lot of people connected to Miss Fisher or her associates are murdered, so I'm guessing the murder rate is quite high. And it seems like whenever it happens, they're always just dropping pieces of jewelry and leaving behind coded diaries and clues. And, you know, that also seems abnormal. (laughs) (laughs) Although, it's interesting. Have you been following... This is a a total tangent, but it is related to murder and crime. Have you been following how now the police can use those genetic testing sites to solve cold cases? Um, I had heard about that because that's how they caught that. The Golden State Killer. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes me want to not get the test. Yeah. So I actually just listen. Anyways, it's The Daily by New York Times. It's a, another excellent podcast. Um, okay. Not as good as ours, but. They're um, not paying us to say that for the record. Yeah. Also, <laughs> uh, if anyone who works at The New York Times is listening and you want to sponsor us, just <laughs> needs a hobby at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> 
anyways, yeah, so apparently they're now using it to do a lot more things, and it is quite controversial because it's like, is this an invasion of privacy? Um, anyways, I think why I went on that tangent was to say that, that people do leave clues behind in the form of DNA. Right, yeah. They leave bodily fluids and cells. Mm-hmm. And hair. Yep. <laughs> anyways, in this, uh, in this episode, the clues are a little bit more um, tangible than DNA evidence. Yeah, they're pretty tangible. One of them is a dead fish. Um, I also, like, I found it really hard to take notes on this episode because there is, like, every scene is so packed with clues. And I was always like, oh, God, all these details I got to pack in uh-huh. here. Yeah, I wrote It's a Clue a lot in my notes. <laughs> and I was also, because we did Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries a little different, where I didn't take as intensive notes, I was like, ugh, I have to take notes in every scene. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, viewers, I mean, listeners, listeners, if you liked that format, let us know. Because uh, <laughs> it's less work. We would happily transition. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah. So anyway, Miss Fisher quickly, um, she gets right down to interviewing the suspects on the scene. So Jimmy Kruzik is the station manager and his wife, Hazel. Um, she seems to have some info, but Jimmy like quickly shuffles her off. Yes. Classic. Also, Miss Fisher immediately produces a card for them, which oh, I just, yeah. it's it's great. I love it every time she does that. Yeah. So I noted it. She does it in almost every episode, which is always fantastic. Indeed. Um, so then Miss Fisher kind of snoops around the body, as usual, um, finds the broken watch to, to determine the time of death, which doesn't seem particularly scientific to me, but whatever. No, and it's always wrong. I mean, and it didn't really end up being red hair yeah. in this episode, but it usually is. Someone's moved the clock or, you know, yeah. the watch was broken earlier or whatever. Classic. It's not reliable evidence. Um, and then Hugh reveals at this point that Jack is off on some confidential special undercover job. And what could it be? <laughs> we'll soon find out. Oh, uh, and then I, I did a little research for this scene, actually. Oh, because okay. Hazel called Louisa Our Girl Friday. And yes. I was like, what does that mean? Um, so I looked it up and it's that is a figure of speech meaning an efficient and faithful female assistant. Uh, the expression plays on Man Friday, mm-hmm. a name for a devoted male servant or assistant. I've I'd never heard either expression before. Oh, really? I've heard my Man Friday before. Hmm. Like for people that have devoted male servants? Yeah, or sort of like, I always think of it as sort of the sidekick. Oh, okay. All right. Like Bat- Tonto. Like Batman and Robin? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, is it, what's the like, why Friday? I don't know. I didn't read that far into it. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, listeners, if you know. Let someone, us know. One of you does, I know. So just let us know. Um, so then, um, time to interview the suspects. Um, Jimmy and Hazel say that she was the top girl at the station. She was very helpful. Um, she broke it off with a fiance in Perth when she got the job. Good for her. Good. Yeah. <laughs> She's a career woman. Yes. This is obviously all playing. I think Dot is uh, noting all of this. The, oh, yeah. It's her schoolmate. She was like the trusted assistant. Oh, broke yeah. off an engagement. <laughs> yeah. Timing. Timing here on this. Um, so also we find out Hazel had just won an award for her performance on the show. Um, she is seeming a bit melodramatic. Uh, and also that they had been getting threats to shut down the station. And other stations had been getting these calls, too. Yes. Um, and then finally, Miss Fisher discovers a handprint on the window, and the fish is dead. The bodies are piling up already. I know. I really did. I, I was <laughs> very pleased that we have two goldfish deaths. Not because I wanted the goldfish to die, but it was like two additional murders. I know. Yeah. It's like two human bodies and two goldfish bodies. Really? There was... No. There's three murders. Because he murders Clarence at the end. 
Oh, is he dead though? Oh, I thought he shot him. Maybe he's not dead. Unclear. I think he's dead. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, the two goldfish and his wife back in Perth. This guy was a serial killer. Wow. Do you think that's the highest number of murders in any episode of Miss Fisher? Good question. If anyone's keeping track, let us know. <laughs> um, yes, uh, the goldfish is dead. It's murder. Uh, it's always murder. <laughs> so then suddenly we hear the dulcet tones of Ins- Detective Inspector Jack Robinson's voice coming over the radio, thereby revealing his undercover role. He's announcing the news. Yes! Uh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing a extra special little sweater. Yes! <laughs> and he's going by the name Archibald Jones. And Jimmy Kresick is very suspicious of him. He's like, if you're going to look into anybody, you got to check out this, this <laughs> Archie fellow. I don't trust him one bit. <laughs> I don't think he's who he says he is. <laughs> um, and then one of the best scenes in yes. the whole series, uh, Jack <laughs> slash Archie begs for Miss Fisher's help with the murder because Hugh can't do it alone. It's so good. He says, thank goodness you're here. I need you on the case. It's the first time he said that in the whole series. It might be the only time he says it. Probably. And then, oh man, the, their faces get really close so together. So close together. And Jack says, do you want me to beg? And Friday says, yes. I wish she'd made him beg a little bit more. You no, know? she really should have milked that. Because all he says is, please. I If he'd said, I, you know, there's just a lot of things he could have done. There, well, yes. I'll take what I can get, though. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so he is there investigating these threats to radio stations. Um, and it sounds like he suspects Clarence, who gives sports tips and recently left another station that had burned down. After a series of threatening phone calls. So. Right. Which I don't know that we ever get to the bottom of that other station fire. Yeah, I don't think we ever get to the bottom of those threats at all, do we? Because... Dodger is the one that sets the station on fire. Yeah, he's just trying to, like, destroy the evidence or something. Of what? I don't know. Yeah, wait, why did he burn the station down? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was Jimmy, and they just thought it was Dodger. Oh, like they were... Like, like Jimmy was framing Dodger for the Oh, with the, the yeah. cigarette pack. They don't really explain that in the Yeah, end. but that must be it, because then he kills Dodger, like, in his newsstand. So, yeah. That's gotta be it. True. Um... So then back at Miss Fisher's house, Sess and Bert are listening to Clarence's tips and puzzling over them. Um, they don't seem to make any sense, so it's like they think they're missing something. But Call at the pub swears by them. Yeah. So apparently they're good tips somehow. Um, and then back at the station, uh, we are interviewing Clarence. Uh, he claims he was the last to leave the station. Um, Dot's taking notes. She's conspicuously taking notes a lot in this episode, I think, to, to play up how, how helpful she is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he claims that Louisa made him tea, and then he didn't see her again. Um, and he also brings up tension between Hazel and Louisa. Creative competition. Dun-dun! Dun-dun! <laughs> it's a red herring! <laughs> well, yeah, and, and um, Louisa had been working on writing things, but Clarence is like, oh, no, Hazel wrote everything that went on the air. And I just, I feel like there's more to Clarence's role in this than really gets explained. Because why would he, maybe he's just wrong. Like he thought Hazel was, because Hazel's more in charge of things than she was. Yeah, I don't know why he says that. Well, but then, this this is sort of confusing to me. Because it was like, Jimmy also reiterated that Hazel wrote everything. Even though it was clear that Louisa had written it. Right. But then we know that 
Hazel was training Louisa to take over. So maybe it's sort of like she had handed off the writing duties to Louisa because she thought she could handle it and just didn't tell anyone else. So then everyone just knew that Hazel wrote everything and she had sort of secretly yeah. passed it off to Louisa. And I do think they established her as sort of like jealous and, <laughs> and not wanting to be pushed from the spotlight. So Right. Um, anyway, so next up, Miss Fisher interviews, in quotes, Archie, also in quotes. <laughs> Archie. <laughs> um, but um, that they're interrupted immediately. Um, Jimmy Kresik mentions that the, the, mentions the guy from the newspaper stand having been hanging around, which is obviously him just trying to throw them off the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack kind of heads off to investigate in a low-key manner. Um, and Jimmy claims that, oh no, sorry. <laughs> The newspaper guy, Dodger, claims that he asked Louisa out and she turned him down, but he thought he still had a chance. Classic, classic man. She, she refused him twice to go dancing, but he's like, but you know, I could ask again. It's like, no. <laughs> and what did, no. He, what did he say? He was like, I could tell I still had a chance. Yeah. Because the, the way she, like, yeah, And it's know. like, no, <laughs> you didn't. I don't think you did. She was like so much younger than him, too. I thought he was just like too old and yeah but oh yeah it's like hey louisa you want to go out with me i'm not just a newspaper boy i'm also a scam artist (laughs) (laughs) anyway um i also wait this is not important but did you feel that jimmy had a suspicious amount of hair on his head yeah (laughs) um i thought his whole appearance was a bit ridiculous yeah, and maybe the hair was meant to look dyed because he was he had assumed a new identity. Assumed a new Anyways, identity. It was very, very suspicious. A very hair. suspicious toupee. Oh, also, Dodger reveals that Louisa bought a bun from him last night, and mm-hmm. we see a clear shot of him folding his cigarette box in a funny manner. It's a clue! <laughs> it's definitely a clue. They really zoom in on it. Yeah, they do. I had to go, I had to go back. I was like, well, that's clearly important. What is it? <laughs> so, yeah. He's like, he's like uh, accordioning. Yeah. The, accordion folding the lid, yeah. Um, so then Clarence starts getting smarmy with Dot. Which is hilarious. So weird. He's like, makes like a weird bird call. He's like really trying to impress her. He's like, is that impressive? Oh like, my God. If a man on the street was just like, hey, baby, want to see hear my bird calls? <laughs> like, no. I feel like that's what they always do, though. All of them. They're like... Well, let me tell you a story that's supposed to be impressive, but is actually just weird. And then the woman is always like, oh, great. Okay. Dot seems a little bit flattered by it, though. Like, she's kind of having fun with it. And then Hugh charges up and is like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's so annoyed. Um, Whereas Dot's just like, you know, being friendly. And like, (laughs) she probably actually liked the bird call. And he was like, oh, no. (laughs) Not the future Mrs. Hugh Collins. No. (laughs) Um, so then Hazel interrupts everything, um, yelling for help, and back up in the station we see that Jimmy has been shocked by a microphone, which has thrown Hazel into a complete panic, um, and it looks like the wires were deliberately frayed on the microphone, so Jimmy seems to have shocked himself. Yes, this is definitely him trying to make it look like he was being, yeah. That's, yeah, I'm not sure I'd be brave enough to pull the trigger on that one. I might just pretend to have been shocked. Maybe that's what he did. He probably pretended. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I hate getting shocked. You know those little things, This is like in high school, kids would have them, their little box, and they're like, just click this, and it would shock you, and like people would, I was terrified. Oh, yeah, I hated that, yeah. It's like, like getting a, it's like getting a bee sting, you know, like you're so afraid of it, even though it doesn't hurt that much, but it's just like the anticipation, or getting a shot. 
Oh, yeah, where you're just like, oh. You're like, I'm about to feel a small amount of pain. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so then at, back at City South, I, lo- I forgot how much I love this, this scene. so good. <laughs> um, Hugh is sitting at Jack's desk with his feet up and eating his secret stash of cookies, like talking on the phone. Uh, <laughs> He's just living his best life. He is like in his boss's office. Oh, my God. And then Miss Fisher and Dot storm in and just, like, totally ruin his parade. Yeah, and he's like, oh, oh, whoa, hello. It's like when a, it's like a cat getting up on the kitchen counter and then, like, the people come home and the cat's like, well, I was never here at all. I'm, nope. No. You saw nothing. No. Nope. <laughs> I wasn't eating your secret stash of cookies. Um, also, there's a funny cut where, like, they're eating the cookies and then it cuts to Jack eating a pear at the, he's, like, getting a pear at the little newsstand. Oh, I missed that. It was a hilarious cut. Or they're just munching on his cookies back in the office. Miss Fisher has two. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, she takes one for the road. (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, I would too, honestly. Yeah, they look like pretty delicious cookies. My question is, who are the cookies from? I know, right? Maybe a thankful murder victim. Or a murder victim? No. Next of kin of a murder victim. Or Um, maybe Conchetta. Oh, you know what? It's probably Conchetta. Mm -hmm. Wow, so Miss Fisher is unknowingly eating the cookies of another woman. Scandal. If she knew, she would relish it. She'd be like, She'd, she would have taken four. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was trying to think, like, would she then show up with, like, rival cookies? And I was like, absolutely not. She would not do that. Miss Fisher does not compete. No. She just wins. Right. I think she would be totally unfazed by the cookies. Yeah, she'd be like, no. she'd be like, well... So what? Oh, that's cute. You make cookies. I solve crimes. Yeah, no. Yeah, we have a date at the morgue. So. <laughs> um, so they've arrived to drop off Louisa's notebook, which you forgot at the crime scene. How did that happen? Um, so inside they find a suspicious one-way ticket to Sydney um, and also evidence that it was, in fact, Louisa who wrote the Polking Horns stories. So it sounds like it's time to have a chat with Hazel. Dun-dun! Also, we learn that the awards night didn't begin until 7 p.m., but the Kreswicks left at 5.30. So. I always thought this was funny, like, because, I I mean, if I was going to receive an award, I would probably want to take a couple hours to get ready. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would have left work at, like, 3. Yeah, like, I would have, like, get my hair done. Um, and yeah, like... I need a blowout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pick up my rental, my rented gown from the dry cleaners. It's like, like a big deal. Five thirty. This that's not that's not enough time. They should have left the station sooner. Yeah. Anyway, makes no sense. Um. So, uh, back at the why did I write station? So then back at it's the... It's very r- confusing because there's the police station and the radio station. <laughs> I always write back at the station, back at the ranch. But this time there was the radio station too. So it's too many stations. Too many stations. Um, so back at 3JH station, um, uh, Jack observes Clarence receiving a packet from the newsboy. It's a clue! I really should stop calling him the newsboy because he appears to be a grown man. I put newsman. Newsman. So. I, throughout my notes, refer to him alternately as newsboy and newsy. <laughs> He's not even, like, he runs a small business. He's a small business owner. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Dodger is giving a packet to Clarence. Um, so he sneaks upstairs and looks for the packet in Clarence's jacket and opens it up. And then I couldn't tell what it was, but then it, like later context clues indicated to me that it was just full of money. Oh, yeah. It, it just kind of zooms in. It was, a, it was a quick shot, but yeah, oh. it shows that it's full of cash. Okay. 
Um, so then back at the police station, there's trouble in paradise. Hugh wants Dot to stop working when she becomes Mrs. Hugh Collins. Uh, he's, well, he specifically says, why is cracking radio announcers won't be so free and easy when you're Mrs. Hugh Collins? No, he specifically says, why is cracking bird impersonator? Oh! oh! <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, because that's, you know, Hugh, that's really what you need to be worried about. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what else that really happens. This she doesn't really fight him on it. She just kind of leaves. She's just, well, I don't think she's really thought this through before. Yeah. Which, which is a good sign that you're not ready to get married. Yeah. We also learned that, like, they haven't told their families yet. Like, I don't think it's a public engagement yet. Um, And she does appear to be wearing the ring on a necklace on her neck. So I don't think she's, like, publicly wearing it. Yeah. You know, I was confused about that because then in subsequent scenes, like, she is she's wearing, wearing it. it. Yeah. So that's, maybe she wore it to, to take it off. More easily, for more dramatic effect. Right, yeah. She, she learned some lessons from Miss Fisher about dramatic yes. effect. Yes. But uh, I don't think she had thought through what, and then she sort of just flees the scene because she's like, shit, <laughs> you thinks I'm going to quit my job. Um, <laughs> not on my agenda. That's. Can you imagine if, like, if you got married and Rob was like, well, now you're going to stop working. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Do- I imagine if I was like, okay, now that we're married, I'm going to stop working. Dan would be like, that's going to make it difficult for you to pay your half of the mortgage. <laughs> that's exactly what Rob would say. Oh, really? And how are you planning to pay rent? And are you going to not go out to eat with me anymore? And... The times, they have changed. <laughs> um, so then back at my sister's house, Jimmy Kresic shows up in place of his allegedly tired wife. I, I don't know why I, why I wrote allegedly because she was in fact tired because he was poisoning her. Um, <sighs> cool guy. Yeah. So he reveals that she spent some time alone last night before the awards ceremony because of her headache. Which like, I was like, no, she was like headache. She was obviously primping. I mean, she did have a headache because she was being poisoned, but I don't know why they needed to throw the headache in. Yeah. Um, and then he accepts Miss Fisher's help at the radio station because she has performance experience, which is like weird that he would accept that because why would he want her around more to solve the murder that he committed? Well, I think this, this is a guy who thinks he is so clever. He has assumed a new identity after murdering his wife down in Perth and he's framing all these other people and he just like feels, I think he's in that classic, like the hubris of, of a criminal, like I'm, you know. I'll, I'll bring the lady detective in. She'll fall for all my false clues. False clues. He does really lay the trail on thick, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And he thinks it's going to work, so. Yeah. Also, I, I thought it was funny. I was thinking of her performance experience being the fan dance. And I thought, that's not going to translate to radio. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I was like, what what performance experience? Like, she, that that's never been revealed that she was like a singer or anything. Well, she was in the circus. Was she in the circus? I mean, she went undercover. But her like circus experience was as a child hanging around, right? Yeah, but then I think maybe she was in the circus too. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> She's able to sing a flamboyance washing powder jingle. That's um, true. Which is a real thing. I looked it up. Flamboyance washing powder exists. Really? Yeah, it was a real washing powder. Well, I was thinking about this because, you know, the jingle is sort of like, makes your washing day bearable, like, ladies. And I read a book recently about Victorian life. And I guess, like, people say that the washing machine 
which I suppose hadn't been invented at this point, right? No, probably not. Um, <laughs> the washing machine was like one of the greatest inventions for women's liberation because women used to have to spend an entire day, a full day, doing the washing. And it was like really hard physical labor and like hot and just horrible. I procrastinate on putting my clothes into the washer. I cannot imagine if I had to spend an entire day doing that. Yeah. Like, I just, I, even putting it, like, pouring the soap and put, it seems like a huge undertaking. I know, and then, like, having to remember to go back and put it in the dryer, mm-hmm. and then taking it out of the dryer in time so it doesn't get wrinkly, and then folding it and putting it away. Like, these are the tasks that I struggle with. Whereas these, like, women of times past were, like, phys- they were, like, physically the agitating cycle. Like, they were... Yeah. Well, and I don't think washing machines must not have invented yet because in the next episode is when we see the laundry. Oh, Because, like, yeah. Miss Fisher was sending her clothes off to that laundry. Yeah. Well, that's what wealthy women did was send them away. Yeah. But poor women, they, it, was like, it was like all the women in the household would spend an entire day <sighs> washing all of the clothes. And I just have a feeling that flamboyance washing powder probably wasn't fixing that. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyways, the jingle was cute. <laughs> Promise to make Mondays better. <laughs> yeah, I guess Monday was washing day. <laughs> so Mondays have always sucked. <laughs> Historically. <laughs> um, anyway, so she sings the... I think she does a great job singing the ad. Yeah, she's yeah, great. It's great. Um, Clarence thinks so too. And then he says they make a great team and should get cozy. And she says, I'm quite cozy enough, thank you. Just as Jack walks in. So good. And she gives him a little look, like, see what I have to put up with? Yes. Um, <laughs> and Jack gives a little smirk. Like, he's, I think he's, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, Miss Fisher's not falling for this bird impersonator. Yeah. Bird impersonator. <laughs> good luck with the bird calls. She's mine. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know why she does this, though. Like, I, I appreciate that she, she's, like, shutting down the smarmy guy, but usually she would engage in seduction sleuthing. Good point. I think it's because Jack is right there. Yeah, probably. And there's things are heating up, folks. Things are heating things up. Things are heating up. Um, so then meanwhile, the newspaper boy comes in acting suspiciously. I'm sorry, the newspaper yeah, man. Thought- <laughs> Dodger. Uh, he's got papers for Clarence. He acts real weird and then runs off. Um, and Miss Fisher finds that there's like a tip in there, circled. Um, and Dot has replaced the fish in the fishbowl, which... I wrote in my notes, I suspect it will die again soon. Yes. <laughs> There's no reason that that fish had to be part of this if it did not also die and help solve the murder. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Hazel shows up acting jealous AF. Yes. Which is, like, it's kind of funny. Like, can you imagine hearing on the radio that someone was, like, replacing you at your job? Like, I'd be mad, too. <laughs> is that, isn't that what happened to Paul Manafort? Yeah. Or no, not Paul Manafort. Uh, who was it? There are so many that have been fired. It was, yeah, it, well, I'm it was blanking on really who it was. Though. Yeah. Oh, it was, um, um what, was it Rex Till- Tillerson? No. It? I no. think maybe this happened to more than one person. Wasn't it the, the guy that uh, Kate McKinnon always played on Saturday Night Live? Um, she played so many people You're on right. Night I don't Live. know. I don't know. Wait, why can't, it wasn't Sean Spicer, was it? Anyways, yeah, it was, he I think saw it was that he spicy. got fired on TV. <laughs> That was Melissa McCarthy that did Spice. Spice. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Actually, I'd probably prefer to be fired um, over the radio or on TV, because then you wouldn't have to have that awkward, like, personal confrontation with the person. Yeah, that's always weird. Um, but then, it, you know, it would also mean that all your friends and family knew that you got, simultaneously yeah. of your firing. Yeah, but then you could be like, this is crazy. I got fired on air. Who does that? And then everyone would feel really, you'd feel justified. Yeah. I don't know. For sure. Probably the best bet is to not get fired. 
That's what I've been shooting for my whole life. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> so Hazel does not like like this new development, though. No. Um, and then back at the house, Dot, there's like a little interlude with Dot and Mr. Butler where he's shelling peas, which he finds very satisfying. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Anyway, um, she gets like all of this super laid on thick confirmation of how necessary she is, which I think is really funny. Well, yeah, when Friday told her in the fir- the scene before, you're really a treasure, Dot. I don't know what I'd do without you. And then Mr. B is like, I don't know what Miss Fisher would do without you. It's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. So then Sess and Bert burst into the house. Um claiming they need to listen to the horse race results on the radio because Miss Fisher asked them to investigate the clue that she saw yep. circled in Clarence's newspaper. Um, but then that horse is a loser. Like, okay, Clarence right. doesn't really give any tip about him. No, and they're like, they're very confused. But he also reads the birthday of one of the horses twice. So what could it be? Is it a clue? Oh, I think it might be a clue. I didn't notice that, actually. Oh, yeah. I was like, I couldn't quite remember. I was like, I knew there was some code. And then I was like, he read the birthday twice. And I was like, that is a clue. And it's some sort of code. And I love how Miss Fisher, like, cracks the code that, like, all these bookies are, like, paying for. (laughs) And she just, like, figures it out. Yeah. Well, maybe she asks call down at the pub. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe she pays him for it <laughs> anyway um this whole thing is a total red herring anyway but yeah it really um, it didn't really have anything to do with the murder none at all <laughs> um so then um miss fisher and jack are interrupted in the parlor by Sess and bert bringing the news that this horse has lost the race or wait wins the race sorry wins the race um so it's time to haul in that newspaper man and also clarence what? i wrote that newspaper boy and the radio man um, oh, so the tip was right in that the horse that was circled in the newspaper won the race, but Clarence didn't say that on the air. He gave a bunch of like sort of bogus tips. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird that Dodger doesn't give the tips to Clarence in code already. Hmm. But I think he just, it's in the newspaper. Yeah, I guess so. But then it's like, so Clarence also knows the code, but Dodger is the one selling the code mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just think it might be, you might be less likely to get caught if you put the code in your written correspondence rather than just the actual tip itself. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, anyways, it's a total red herring because it has nothing to do with the murder. (laughs) Yes. Um, So they first go to interview Clarence, who is like, I put in my notes, is Gilderoy Lockhart. (laughs) 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 Everything is a Harry Potter reference, ladies and gentlemen. Um... Probably just ladies, to be honest. Um, anyway. So we have some gentlemen listeners. Oh, you're we right. Yeah. We do. And we're thankful for you. Yes. Cheers to our gentlemen listeners. Yeah. I'm raising my cup of coffee. You Women's media is media for all. Yes. Thank hot. you for listening. Yes. <laughs> um, so I keep losing my place. So he claims that the whole scam was Dodger's idea and um, that Dodger didn't show up to pay him last night. Pay him. He also uh, says to Miss Fisher, please call me Clary. And she says, no, thank you. She's just like not having it with this guy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. She's like, no, I won't. I won't. Also, I, by losing my place in my notes, I skipped the part where they first talk to Dodger. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So he says that he pays Clarence to read them off in his code. And then he sells the code to the punters, which I assume must mean gamblers. Mm -hmm. So then the Dodger claims, when, when they go back to Dodger, he claims that he put Clarence off that night because he didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he also doesn't have a very good alibi. He just like went home by himself. Um, And then Miss Fisher says that Archibald Jones is taking her out in the town. So she's got a scoot. Which is 
so funny. I love that. Could it be a date at the morgue? It is. It is. It is. Of course it is. Um, so we discover that Louisa was strangled and she had newspaper in her mouth and stomach. Page five. And also a weirdly shaped fork in her purse. My question is, how did she bend the tines on that fork? Uh, I don't know. It's not important at all to the murder. Anyways. I, she must have had a special tool. The date then continues, much like it does when, you know, you meet and you have a drink and it's going really well. And then you go to a second bar. Miss um, Fisher and Archie. <laughs> <laughs> Take this date from the morgue right to the scene of the crime for some nighttime investigating. Mm, love it. And Miss Fisher says, remind me to bring you on my next break-in. You're really quite useful. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, he probably just had keys to the station while well, yeah. he was working there. <laughs> yeah. And then she's looking in the cupboard, but she, like, immediately just hones in on the secret compartment because, of course, she does. Yeah. Um, but she's, like, kind of on a chair and she's a little unsteady. And Jack comes up behind and catches her a bit as she falls. And it's so delicious. Oh, steady me anytime, Inspector. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, oh, I, you, you know, I was just studying you. I was just, you know. Are we supposed to assume that he like grabbed her butt or something? Or I mean, that's kind of the level that he yeah. was at when she was up on that chair. I feel like he, he, it would be in character for him though to apologize for basically touching her anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, for sure. Um. Anyways, in the hidden compartment that she immediately finds that fits the fork, um, there's a newspaper with a page missing. Page five. Um, I just want to point out how ridiculous it is that Louisa created a secret compartment to hide a newspaper in, and she had a whole tool for opening it, and it's like, what for? Yeah, why wasn't she? Why didn't she just keep that at home? Yeah, maybe just put it in your house, or just if anyone suspects you, be like, oh yeah, I just never threw out that newspaper. Yeah, it it makes no sense. No sense at all. Also, did she build the secret compartment? Maybe it was already there, and she knew it was there. No. I know it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's just sort of a series of clues strung together into a semblance of a plot at this point. But that's why we love murder mysteries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then in another stunning coincidence, someone breaks into the studio at the exact moment that Jack and Franny are in there, which always happens on the midnight break-ins. Yeah. Oh, it's just like coincidentally the you know some sort of criminal shows up at the same time. One a.m. It's the witching hour. It's <laughs> <laughs> real. <laughs> Um, and the intruder lights the station on fire. Arsonist. Uh, Jack is sort of trying to stamp the fire out, which he must succeed because the station doesn't actually burn down. The man runs off and Friday gives chase. I did know she was not wearing heels in the scene, which made more sense. Yeah. I think she had pants on too. She had, yeah. And flats. And she does not catch the man, but they do find a clue. It's a cigarette box. And see, this is why I think Jimmy was the intruder and is trying to frame Dodger for the yeah. fire. And that's why it's important not to develop like weird little ticks that, that leave a trace behind, mm. you know? I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah. Well, Dan has a habit of always pulling the tab off of all of his cans. Mm. So, you know, if you see a, a can with no tab on it at the scene of a murder, that could mean that he was the perpetrator. He should stop doing that. It's also handy for finding his drink at a party, you know, I'm like, oh, that one's his, not mine. Oh, that would be useful. <laughs> um, yeah, but best to have no distinguishing characteristics at all. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have any. Um, but the thing is, you might not even know. Yeah, I might not even know. Well, tell me if you see any, okay? Okay. Keep on the lookout, because i got some crimes I'm planning to commit, and I don't want to get caught. Well, I yeah, 
Um, I think it's more, I wouldn't tell you because then I could frame you for a crime. You would do that to me? Um, you want to host this podcast by yourself, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you conniving, scheming? You're on to me! <laughs> I would have the podcast all to myself. <laughs> um, anyways. Meanwhile, Bert and Sess are thrilled that they have the code for the race tips now. Or they need the code. Well, they know they cracked the code, so they don't have to pay for it. And now they uh, can just get the... No. I think they showed up to buy the code from Oh, them. right, right, right. Yeah. So maybe the code changes. Yeah, so well, so maybe what they found out from Miss Fisher was that there is a code. Right. And the, and she didn't tell them right. what it was. That's what I assumed. Well, and I assume the code changes because otherwise you'd only have to buy it once. And that's not a very good ongoing business model. It's not a model. great business model, yeah. So presumably the code changes. That's weird, though, because, like, couldn't... I mean, then you're giving this code out to someone who could then just, like, disseminate it to anyone who listens to the radio. Like, why not just give the tip to the person coming to buy the code? And then you don't have to pay a third party to read the code on air. Or maybe the code lasts for like a week or something. And then, who knows? It's a very hazy business model. It is. And it didn't work out for either of them because they both end up dead, which is the worst kind of business model. For sure, yeah. Uh, I try to stay alive. In all my business plans, they involve me living from start to finish. Yes, that is sort of the underlying principle of any business plan, I would think. I mean, I don't have an MBA, but like, (laughs) I would assume. Well, I feel like now you deserve an honorary MBA for figuring this out. Thank you. I'll invite you to my graduation ceremony when I Mm -hmm. I receive that Mm -hmm. honorary MBA. All right, sounds good. Um, (laughs) Anyways, so Bert and Sess show up for the race tips, and at Dodger's gone, the newsstand is not open. Um, and then Hugh approaches doing his, I'm a police officer thing. Um, and, uh, Bert does his, I'm not doing anything wrong in the, the most suspicious way possible. Indeed. Um, but then they knock on the door and find Dodger killed. And they also find an earring. And my first thought was that Dodger had been killed with the earring. Somehow with the earring. Stabbed in the, like, in the jugular. And then just... Bleeding to death very slowly through an earring-sized hole. Well, no, you can see the line of his neck, and I sort of envisioned, and I I feel like I thought this was the murder method until they, like, fully explained it, that it was, like, very sharp, and they had just, like, slit his throat with the earring. Maybe. <laughs> no, no, it makes no sense, but I mean, that's what I thought. But I was like, wow, an earring is a murder method. This is getting a 10 in my ratings. I just put in my notes, why are people always leaving earrings behind? Or brooches? Buttons? <laughs> hair clips well in this case it was deliberately planted this is another thing you want to avoid wearing a lot of accessories that could fall off if you're planning right. to commit crimes well no also, I mean, if I you don't co- want to be framed for crimes yeah. I think Coco Chanel would also agree with me because she always said before you leave the house mm. take one thing off So, oh like it's a principle yeah just know, don't yeah. wear too much Yeah. what if the thing that you took off was your pants though Um, maybe if you're making a statement it would be a statement <laughs> Fortunately, I think she's dead, so we can't ask her. That's that's too bad, because I really want to know. What would happen if you, <laughs> you took off? The thing you felt moved to take off was your pants. Anyways, um, <laughs> Dodger was not killed via, via earring. I was just wrong. And um, anyways. Well, it's weird that, I mean, she was strangled, right? Mm-mm. So he was actually garroted with the garotted. piano string. Right, 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 right. So 
Jimmy at this point is just trying to frame everyone. He's like leaving his wife's earring at the scene of the crime and using a piano string when Clarence is the guy at the station yes. that plays the piano. So like, what's his, what's his game plan here? He's just muddying the water. Like pick one and stick to it. Well, no, maybe that is his game plan. Just, just throw confusing off the scent. Yeah. And why is he trying to frame his own wife though? Because he's a, a jerk. But he's also, he's also like, poisoning her. He's also trying to kill her. It's weird. It's weird. But I think he's also trying to make it seem like she's crazy. So weird. Doesn't make sense. Um, anyways, back in the morgue, they speculate, uh, they being Jack and Franny, speculate on why Dodger was killed. Maybe he saw the murder. The earring is Hazel's. Could it be her? That's all that happens in the morgue. (laughs) Speculation. Uh, yeah. I think at this point, Jack also decides it's time to break cover. Yes, and then he does it in the best way possible. (laughs) It's so epic. He's just, like, reading the weather. Friday comes to the door, tells him to wrap up. And then he's like, put on some contemporary music, bye. And then Clarence puts on Beethoven. Which oh, yeah, really that was funny. really funny. <laughs> um, and then Jimmy strides in and Jack pulls out his police badge and says, consider this my resignation. <laughs> and I think we've all dreamed of quitting a job that way. Um, I think you told me that you dreamed of playing like danger zone or something over the loudspeakers no. and repelling out the window from the third floor it was um the song was it ain't me babe by bob dylan okay that's and i was gonna good. turn the intercom feature on the phone system on because i knew that button and no one else did oh i was also gonna spend send a, a link out to everyone with a spam with a virus in it a virus that, that was actually a pretty um that was the worst part of the plot i would have just rickrolled everyone <laughs> we like, important staffing update. Click this link. Never gonna give you up. <laughs> Great. Now you just rickrolled all of our podcasts. Well, I told them I was going to do it. True. <laughs> Listeners, I want to share with you a great trick. Did you know that if you're not at home, you can open your Alexa app and rickroll your spouse by putting on that song? <laughs> anyway, that's a free tip. We can, we can, we can move on. That's great. Um, <laughs> anyways, so Jack quits via police badge. <laughs> and then Hazel wanders in. It seems very confused. It's very confused that Jack is a police officer. Clarence is really upset that they were they passed him over for a promotion for a cop. <laughs> very upset. What a dick. Um, and then Jack takes Jimmy and Hazel down to the station. The police station. <laughs> yes. From the radio station to the police station. Things are heating up. <laughs> um, Hazel admits that the earring is hers. She says she lost it. She's very confused. Seems really out of it. They Jimmy says that they were home all evening. Um, who's framing Hazel? He's really cranky and self-important. And Hazel is just out of it. Uh, why does Hazel corroborate his story that they were home all evening? If, she's just confused. Yeah, she's confused. She's just like not, doesn't know what's going on. She's being literally being poisoned. So <laughs> slowly. Yes. Um, and then this is where we find out that Dodger was murdered via piano wire. And Clarence broke a piano string yesterday, which like, just because you break a piano string doesn't mean that you're the one, like, then you have it. It's like still in the piano. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. But I feel like at this point, if this were CSI, um, at this point, Jack would be like, let's see if Clarence is ready to change his tune. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he had said that. Oh, God. There's nothing better than one-liners and crime dramas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and then back at the station, another murder has occurred. Oswald II is dead. Not Oswald II. 
And then we get this great scene of Dot taking it to the station as evidence. <laughs> and also blaming herself because she forgot to change the water. And the man at the pet store said to change the water and she didn't do it. And then he was like, oh, Dottie, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And she's like, it's not, a lot. It's not about that. And <laughs> breaks off their engagement. Yeah, she slips that ring right off of her gloved finger. Like, is that a thing people did? Did they wear rings outside of their gloves? I was thinking that too. And then I was like, well... It would be really inconvenient to have under the glove. So I guess yeah. you would wear it over. Yeah, sometimes my rings do bother me when I'm wearing gloves and I'm, like, biking. Right, because they're, like, yeah. trapped. True. But then the ring would, how would it be large enough to fit over the glove, but also fit just on your finger? Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Well, it's probably a prop ring. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's very, I, this made me tear up. Yeah, a I lot of a, things with Don Q make me tear up, though. I put in my notes weeping emoji. Yeah, which I actually just wrote that out because I don't have an emoji keyboard on my computer. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, anyways, so then Jack comes in. Jack to the rescue, and he was like, "We've had another murder, sir," and sort of just like gesturing towards the fish. And Jack is like, "Okay, I'm not falling for this. You, what is going on with Miss Williams?" <laughs> they have this little talk, heart to heart, and one of like my favorite lines in the whole show is Jack. Tells you what you're experiencing, Collins is Collins is the paradox of per- pursuing a modern woman. Ugh, it's so good. Jack's like, let me tell you a little something about modern women. I know <laughs> all about it. It's like, oh, what would you know about that, Jack? Who are you pursuing? Uh, at a very very slow rate, which is a good approach to take for a modern woman yes. because you don't want to startle her, you know. So just come and approach with caution. Exactly. <laughs> I, oh, Jack's also playing the long game. He, he, he's seen Miss Fisher flirt and investigate her way through many men. Yeah. And that's not going to be him, you know? Yeah. And this, at the yeah. end of the day, he's still around. Yep, there he is. Yep. Oh, and this just makes me think of my favorite scene in the whole series, which we haven't gotten to yet. And I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, but... Season three, episode one. Jack has a lot of feelings about this. Oh, yes. that's my favorite scene too. It's First, so hands down, there's no competition. There's no, I've watched this scene over and over and over again. I do want to point out that at no point ever does Jack mention that he's been friend zoned. And I really want to commend him for that because there's nothing more annoying than the complaints of friend zoning. <laughs> well, because he knows he hasn't really been friend zoned. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's like, that's just called friendship. So what you've done is make a friend. If you think right. if you think that's what happened to you, then congratulations. You, you have, have a friend. You have a friend. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so anyways, down at the radio station, Phryne is playing Guinevere on the polking horns. <laughs> polking horns? I, I put polking horns in my notes. Like what a po- name. Like polka. Polking horns. Polking horns. Um, and Hazel is just on the struggle bus. She is, she's not reading her line. She just sees, she like collapses and they stop the show and get Hazel some water, which is sort of like, they, they really zoom in on that, that glass of water. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy's like, I'll take her home. And after they leave, Franny sort of realizes that Hazel is losing her hair and it's like coming off in Franny's hands and something is going on. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I was like thinking about those that disease where parents like poison their children to bring attention to themselves. Which is oh, like Munchausen by, by proxy. proxy yes. Yeah, is that a thing you can do to your spouse too? Well, I think he was trying to kill her. Yeah, probably. But maybe I don't know. No, it was just attempted murder. Yeah. 
Um, I also did. Did you listen closely to what they were saying in the broadcast? Because I didn't the first time I watched it, but then on this rewatch, I listened to like what Miss Fisher's line was, which is just like, "Oh, I wouldn't say brave, maybe plucky," and I mean. Like and it basically implies that she slept with the guard who let who like let her escape from the oh yeah the, the opera singer's mansion or whatever where she was being held prisoner. Like, but I think that was all her improvising. Yeah, like you haven't thing. heard what I did with the guard, and <laughs> then she's like, "It wasn't a very bad dungeon." <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, so then back at the ranch, Dot is is crying in the kitchen and trying to hide it from Miss Fisher, which obviously isn't going to work. It's like, they have been through so much together. You can't hide the fact that you're crying yeah, from Ms. someone like that. Miss Fisher knows something is wrong. Um, and the, so then she she shares how Hugh expects her to quit her job, and she really doesn't want to quit her job. And no. she didn't she didn't really think that marriage would have those expectations, and now she's realizing that they do. I love that uh, Miss Fisher is just like, oh, I think we can solve this problem. Yes. It's nice when you think you have an insurmountable obstacle and then you finally talk to someone about it and they're like, well, I think we can solve this, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. It's a very good, they have, I, it's a very good like picture of both like a working relationship and also just like kind of a friendship and a mentorship. And it's just a really beautiful relationship that Dot and Friday have. Yeah. Where's my Miss Fisher? I know. I need a lady hacker to just help me. We could solve crimes together and also build <laughs> apps. Anyway, <laughs> if you're out there, I'm ready for you. <laughs> um. And then after this heart-to-heart, the doorbell rings, and it's Jack, and he's found the newspaper. Um, I quote, I put it in my notes, also banter. He brings the missing page five, also banter. Yes, I, I put banter in Sue's. <laughs> There's some definite flirting yeah. um, happening. And then before continuing the, investiga- the investigation of the crime, Friday does a little investigation on the Hugh Dot situation. <laughs> and Jack doesn't really give her any details because it's confidential police matter. Yeah. So um man secrets yes which i think i admire jack for not just like gossiping with miss fisher about yeah yeah totally um and then jack has also brought the lab tests from the water in the fish bowl and it contained thallium which was the cause of death for the two goldfish and they surmise that it could also be causing hazel's issues yes you know, if I were a wife poisoner and I had been forced to toss the thallium into the fishbowl, I think I would have destroyed the evidence of that. You know, like I would have emptied that fishbowl mm-hmm. out late at night when no one was looking. Right. I think he got a little caught up into, in murdering Louisa and then dragging that body out of the studio and he probably just forgot about the goldfish. Like a spider trapped in his own web. Also, why did he pour the water into the fishbowl? Um, I think he was trying to cover his tracks. Like, because Louisa walked in on him stirring the poison in, and he, maybe he was just like, oh, I'm filling the fishbowl. With, so, weirdly. Poison? With, maybe it was supposed to be fish food or something? Yeah. Anyways. Well, it did provide a good trail of clues. Yes, it was to provide clues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, they've handed off the newspaper to Dot to look through page five, and she calls out from the kitchen that she has found a clue. The clue is that um, an in-memoriam entry for Guinevere Redpath, who is known for her broadcast in Perth. Um, so Louisa must have known um, Guinevere or knew who she was because she was on the radio. But why would she hide the death notice for this, like, random radio broadcaster in Perth? Um, and then Hazel rise and is just in a bad way. She, like, 
sort of stumbles in and drops her purse. And so Dot shows her into the parlor. Um, and this is where we find out that the train ticket from before was actually for Hazel because she was moving for a new job um, for the new National Broadcasting Service. So it sounds like she might have actually been able to escape from her poisoning husband regardless. Yeah, although the poison seems to be T- taking effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's not doing so well. Yeah. Um, and this is where also we learn that she was training Louisa to take over at the station. Um, and Louisa had booked the ticket for her, which is why it was among Louisa's things. Um, Franny also asks her about Guinevere, and she doesn't really seem to know, but she does say that they could check the archives at the station because they would probably have that radio program. Yeah. Um, so then back at the station, Hugh has looked into the Guinevere Redpath, um, entry, and she was found dead in her apartment at age 30, and there was inconclusive evidence as to how she died, and they had tried to get a hold of her husband, Harry, um, but they couldn't, and so Jack and Franny surmised that he perhaps killed his wife, changed his name, and is with them in Melbourne. So, like, what is the time frame on this? Like, he literally killed his wife and fled to Melbourne, and then had time to find a new wife and marry her? Mm-hmm. But then the notice was just in the newspaper. But maybe it was an old. It must yeah, have been maybe old it was newspaper. an old one. Like, why was Louisa reading an old newspaper? I don't know. Who knows? Oh, uh, yeah. I, that's the timing is confusing. Maybe Hazel wasn't really his wife. I think she was because they had the same last name. Yeah, but I mean, maybe they're just pretending to be married. No, that's like a whole <laughs> new plot twist. An unnecessary I... additional subplot <laughs> <laughs> that I have just manufactured out of thin air so <laughs> anyways um so then Franny heads to the radio station and Clarence is watching her dig through the archives which I think this is supposed to make us suspicious of Clarence but that is just it's not he's not the murderer um so then she finds Twilight Melodies and puts it puts it on and starts playing it and I think this is where Clarence figures out then that the guy on Twilight Melodies is Jimmy yeah which is probably why he gets killed um so then back at the ranch dot is asking hazel about her job and why she didn't tell jimmy about the job and again this is the sort of parallel plot lines where dot is grappling with the same thing that the other characters are um and then she reveals that jimmy is really controlling and suffocating her and just seems like uh, not a great guy and she is clearly trying to escape him um so then clarence meanwhile back at the station um Twilight Melodies is on. Clarence is making another pass at flirting with Miss Fisher. <laughs> um, and then they they both realize that it's Jimmy. I think I said that before, but it happens after. Um, who then appears with a gun in hand and shoots Clarence or something. That I got a little confused on this because it all happened so fast. Yeah. Um, and the bodies just start piling up at this point, too. <laughs> See, I kind of thought maybe you just whacked him over the head. Maybe. Because there's no blood. And we don't hear a gunshot. I think you're probably right. But she was in the sound studio, so. Right. But even then, you would have heard a gunshot. I don't know. I don't know about sound engineering. Yeah. I mean, I'm an expert. <laughs> uh, no, I think you'd definitely hear it. I don't think it would be soundproof enough to not, to not hear a gunshot. Yeah. Um, And then... Jimmy has Miss Fisher at gunpoint and she starts stalling with a classic interrogate the murderer while at gunpoint. Um, <laughs> this gives her enough time to sidle over to the to the soundboard and flip the record button. <laughs> um, so then this is all being broadcast <laughs> where her interrogation of Jimmy is being broadcast on it. What a move. I don't think even if I was about to be murdered, I would have the nerve to like turn the broadcast, like the on air switch. Like, can you imagine? 
No, well, I probably wouldn't know where it was. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, Miss Fisher, obviously, is very resourceful. Yeah. Um, so then Dot happens to be listening <laughs> to the radio and hears this. Um, it calls the police. And then we get Jimmy kind of admitting to what happened. And um, we get a flashback to him killing Louisa after being confronted with a newspaper with Guinevere's um, obituary in it. And we see him mixing the thallium and dumping it in the fishbowl. And we also learn that Dodger saw it happen, um, which is why he was ultimately killed. And then on air, Jimmy is saying that he'll kill Louisa. Um, and Louisa is hearing this. and Or not Louisa, Hazel. Um, and Hazel hears this because she's at Miss Fisher's and is hearing it. And it's like a really, it's... Uh, she seems a bit upset. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be tough to hear on the radio. Yeah. Um, so then Jimmy rushes Miss Fisher, who moves aside, reveals that she's been airing this all on the radio. Um, so he tackles her, starts to strangle her, and the police arrive, but... Miss Fisher didn't need them. She manages to knock Jimmy out before the police arrive. <laughs> On this week's episode of the Polkinghorns, Mr. Polkinghorn kills Guinevere. <laughs> I wonder what the other people, like, hearing this, did they just think it was some sort of, like, yeah, was cool it like new program? What was it? Was that Orson Welles that people thought it was a real, like, a real oh, yeah. news story or yeah. something? Is that what the people were like? Were they like, oh, no. Or did they think it was just a dramatic reading? I think they probably thought it would think it was like if I heard that on the radio, I'd be like, "Oh, this must be some sort of special like murder program." Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, not Dot though; she knew exactly what was happening. Um, so yeah, just as the police arrive, Miss Fisher has knocked Jimmy out with a microphone and taken his gun away. So, <laughs> as usual, as usual. And then we get a, a sweet little party scene back at the ranch where um, champagne is being poured, and Hugh um, has has somehow convinced Dot to put her ring back on. Or not convinced her. They've had a conversation. They agree to a long engagement. And Dot asks, but how will we solve everything? And then Hugh says, it's a paradox, Dottie. A problem that takes time to solve. Which leads me to believe that he had to look up that word after Jack. <laughs> is that, also, also, is that the definition of paradox? I don't think it is. Let's look it up right now. A seemingly absurd or self contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Huh. That's, yeah, that's not what Hugh said, but. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's sweet. And they've, they're just, they're going to have a long engagement, figure things out. They love each other. And it's very sweet. Um, and then Phryne toasts them and they kiss in front of everyone. And it's, it's really sweet. It is very cute. And then we get an even better scene. Oh yeah. Where, Jack is playing piano. Ugh. Is this supposed to be the end of the party after everyone has left, do you think? That's the vibe, because it's, like, kind of darker, and it's just the two of them. Um, this is such a good scene. And then they just sing Let's Misbehave, and they're so close on the bench, and they sing together, and I had the thought watching it this time, I was like, there is no way that they don't hook up after this. Yeah, I know. It's like everyone leaves the party, and he stays behind, and then they sing a dirty song together about how they're all alone, no chaperone. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it seems like for real, they would have actually just done it. Yeah, that's, and I was like, you know, I, I always thought, like, I think that theory is wrong, that they were, like, hooking up the whole time, we just don't know it. And then I was like, you know what, though, how do you do this and then not, like, hook up afterwards? <laughs> Anyways. It's just the writers trying to throw some red meat to the base. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, also, it's just a great song. Yeah, it's good. 
Um, so that's the episode. A good one. A very mm-hmm. good one. One of my favorites. The only undercover Jack we ever get. It's true. <laughs> he's, he's good. But then I, I was thinking earlier, I was like, he's a detective inspector on the police force. Like, I feel like it'd be really obvious. Like, he would not be a good candidate to be an undercover. Yeah. Wouldn't people be like, oh, it's the detective inspector. Like, just recognize him or I don't know, recognize his voice. Yeah, it seems like it'd be really obvious, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think you send, like, your best man undercover either. Well, and you're, you have, like, people who are... That's their job to be undercover, and then they don't have a public persona the rest of the time. Yeah, but it makes for a good storyline. So. Oh, yeah, I mean, we get to see Jack in, like, his little vest and stuff, so... <laughs> so cute. So uh, cute. Yeah. All right, murder recap. So, Harry Redpath, married to Guinevere Redpath in Perth, was a controlling jerk. Um, Guinevere was a successful singer and presumably he killed her because he got jealous. It doesn't, I don't think it really goes into why he killed her. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. (laughs) So then he fled to Melbourne, changed his name to Jimmy Kresic, married another rising radio star, Hazel. Um, and their studio assistant, Louisa, had moved from Perth. And so she recognizes Harry's voice from the program that Guinevere was on. Um, she also saw the notice uh, of Guinevere's death in the paper um, and does some investigating in the archives, confirms her suspicion with the recordings of their program from Perth, and confronts Jimmy with it. Um, this leads to murder number two for Jimmy slash Harry. So he strangles Louisa and then went on to this awards night where his wife was winning an award, which is just cold-blooded. That is cold-blooded. Um, this man's a reptile. Yes, And then Dodger saw this murder happen, so he was later murdered via piano string. Uh, Meanwhile, Jimmy has also been poisoning his wife with thallium. Um, And when Louisa confronts him about Guinevere Redpath, he dumps the pitcher into the fishbowl, thus committing the murder of Oswald. Um, The most tragic of all murders. Oswald, totally innocent in these affairs. Yeah, really just didn't deserve it. None of them deserved it, but Oswald definitely didn't. And then... Dot, when Dot bought Oswald 2, she didn't change the water, meaning the tally of murders to Jimmy's name is, I have six because I thought Clarence was dead, but it might just be five. Um, anyways, and that's the tale of Harry Redpath slash Jimmy Kresic. And also Oswald 1 and Oswald 2. Rest in peace. (laughs) It's probably the same fish though, to be honest. I mean, how many fish actors are there? Well, you're right. It's definitely the same fish. One was definitely also just a prop dead fish designed to float upside down. <laughs> yeah, I hope they didn't. I don't think they actually killed fish for this episode. I doubt it. I think that's illegal. <laughs> um, all right. Best outfit. Um, so I had uh, Franny's like green outfit with the hat with a little tassel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was, I love that. That's my favorite. I also liked her red coat that she wears through the first part of the episode with the little like the little thing that she throws over her shoulder. It's like a built-in scarf. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like a little tie mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I like that as well. However, my pick for best outfit was Dot and Hugh's combined ensemble at the end. Because Aww. they looked fabulous. Yeah. That was nice. Yes. Um, worst outfit. Um, I mean, I didn't find anything terrible. Um, but I, I thought Jimmy's ensemble, like his little plaid jacket mm, and his, yeah, like, his was... like, weird hair. <laughs> yeah, that's what I put for worst. I put Franny's outfit in the last scene because I really didn't like it. I don't remember what it was. It was like a black and white sort of beaded drape oh, thing. Oh, that. The, yeah. yeah yep. I don't know. I, I didn't. I don't mind that. Uh, <laughs> uh, best week? Uh, so I actually put Hugh. You know, okay, he's, yeah. he's growing. Yeah. 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 
And he maybe he doesn't get at first what he thinks he wants, but I think that what he's going to end up with is better. Is, is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like everyone had a really good week. Um, but I, I ended on Jack. I feel like Jack just had a really good week. So for best week, or sorry, for worst week, what'd you have? Um, I had all the people that got murdered. <laughs> you can't put the murder victim. I know, I really struggled. I felt like everyone had, had, had a good week. What about Hazel? She had a terrible week. That's who I put. Her husband tried to murder her. Yeah, but she was he was a jerk and she ultimately got free and hopefully just gets to go on to her new job. Yeah, but I mean, I guess first she has to come to terms with the fact that she was, you know, living a lie, married to a, a man with a fake identity who was a murderer. Mm. He was poisoning her. She thought he loved her. Yeah, okay, you're right. That would be pretty pretty tough it's to deal with. It's a psychological blow. Plus, I mean, is there permanent damage from the thallium? Probably. It seems like a pretty, I think it's a heavy metal, so. Yikes. I don't know that it's a heavy metal. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> All right, would you give the murder? Wait, skill of the week. Oh, skill of the week, code cracking. Oh, I put radio announcing slash singing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't think that seemed super novel for her. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's code cracking also. Is, yeah, I yeah. mean, we've seen her do it before. Um, for murder method, I put seven for sheer volume. Because there's <laughs> two murdered fish. And then a piano wire. I mean, I don't know. Seven. Huh. Yeah, I wasn't taking into account the volume, and I actually put two because I was just like double strangulation. I mean. But it was garroting. Yeah, that's true. The piano wire, that was that was a move for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, I, the, the fish. I, the fish. That, that was, was, ca- that was more fish. like manslaughter, you know, because it was accidental. Fish slaughter, you know. Fish slaughter. <laughs> they should have added that to his charges at the end. Accidental death. Um. Anyways, so that's. That's that. Sexual tension. I did. You forgot to rate it? That's usually my job. <laughs> I did rate the sexual tension. <laughs> well, take a moment. Decide. I'm going with eight. I'm going with 8.5. 8. Yeah, there was some mo- there's moments. He begs. He begs. He begs. And their faces are three inches apart. So often in this episode, their faces are very close together. Plus he grabs her butt. That's true. A little butt grab. Steady me anytime. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, that wraps us up. Um, next time, we are going to be reviewing Miss Fisher's Modern Mist- Murder right. Mysteries, Episode 2. And then after that, we will be on Season 2, Episode 12, Unnatural Habits. Another really, really well done episode. Yeah, which I believe is the season finale of Season 2, if you're not counting the Christmas special, which I believe is sort of a standalone. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So we got some some good stuff. stuff. And then, you know, once we get to season three, it's just we're going to be like cruising just all the way to the end with the sexual tension off the charts. We're going to have to adjust the scales. Yeah, we're going to have to get like a special reader for the sexual tension because the one we have doesn't go high enough. (laughs) It is an actual device that we use. Um, Yeah, it's a physical device. Yeah, it registers the, the sexual tension of each scene. Yeah. Um, and it's not just us arbitrarily writing it. No. Yeah, it's called not. it's called the um sexual spectrometer tension meter. Yes. <laughs> um it has patent a, pending. There's a needle and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time. Doodle-doodle-doodle.